0: is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead.
1: Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 422, recorded uh, Thursday, this uh, March 7th, 2019. It is this March 7th. It's not that March 7th. It's this one. Wednesday Ides of March. That's coming up.
2: I don't know. I think you bring that up every year at the beginning of March, and we probably should look it up one of these I, days.
1: I think it's the mid March. I think it's the 15th, but it'll well, it be like next week. So we better figure that out. We better. Next week is St. Patty's Day, too, which is exciting. Oh, yeah. I That's mean, for the 17th, some people. Right?
2: I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: My uncle, uncle Brian's birthday.
2: Well, you can remember one or the other or both, but they're good times.
1: His middle name is Patty.
2: Yeah, Brian Patty. Yeah. Nice. It's his
1: birthday's on Patrick's Day. Saint Patrick's Day.
2: <laughs> it does make sense. <laughs> it does. All right. Well, happy birthday to him. Happy Saint Patrick's Day next week. Happy clock changing day on Sunday. Happy Are
1: March- you sure of that? I asked my wife about that tonight and she wasn't sure. I looked so it up. Are you are I'm, you you looked it up? I'm you're sure. sure. I'm sure now, yeah. So now we have a short weekend. We Thanks. have an
2: hour less this weekend, that's true. Fantastic. But, but next week is March break. For the kids, that means they have the week off of school, uh, which means I'm going to have a little pro- you know, a little extra time off of work, maybe because I might have to stay home, you know, work qu- air quotes from home once or twice during the week. So they're not here alone too long. Um, so I might regain that hour during the week that I lost on the weekend. Okay. I mean, not really, but you know what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I do know what you're saying. All right. going to slough off, do a half-assed job. It's the American way. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jason, I
2: heard a rumor that you are going to see Captain Marvel tomorrow.
1: I have my tickets purchased. Ticket purchased. I'm going to see it by myself.
2: That's fine. That's fine. Um, I'm excited for you. I'm going to try and squeeze it in this weekend, too, because I'm very excited for this film. So I'm thinking maybe next week we do a short after hours, assuming I I get out to the theater and we talk about it a bit, because I'm really looking forward to this film and seeing how it fits into the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: Me too. 10:30 a.m. That's a that's I mean, a great time to see a movie. If you morning can do it. movies are great. I mean, the theater was almost booked up, right? So it's popular. It's opening weekend. Yeah. Uh, but it's 10:30 a.m. and it was like half off because it's a, it's considered a matinee. And it was it was booked up on a Friday morning.
2: Hey. Yeah.
1: Um, There's only like uh, well, it's a small theater from what I could see. There's only probably 50 seats, and there was only like seven seats left.
2: Oh, so it's one of those vip adults only seat theaters that are little
1: i I don't know if it's uh, adults only but it's smaller reclining seats Mm. you know that kind of thing all right well a lot of people are taking
2: off work to go see captain marvel that'll be good anyways i i'm looking forward to it so i'm excited you're getting out i'm looking forward and and maybe we can talk about it next week
1: sure i might do a double feature and go see the lego movie the new two lego movies. second part i've
2: i've seen that one too i really enjoyed that so you should get out do it man I don't know. You know, I don't know if I can do a double feature. It's tough, but you'd get caught up on your movies. It's a yeah. good idea. All right. Um, that's great. We will get back into that later next week, maybe. For now, though, we're here to read some listener feedback for the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. And just before that, I want to talk about the Radian, the Radians, the the Whoa. ratings. <laughs>
1: i haven't talked about radians since high school
2: no the rate the ratings for guardians i put the two words together radians yeah yeah,
1: that's okay <laughs> but still if you want to talk about radians you let me know
2: yeah okay we'll we'll think about that for another day guardians got 4.71 million viewers so the show rebounded a little bit from the week before
1: just a tad
2: the week before was 4.39 which was the lowest of all time so we're up again 4.71 uh which is a good sign Uh, it's not a lot of people coming back to the show, but maybe some people heard how good it's been and, and, uh, you know, season nine in general has been, and they're coming back. We'll see. I don't know. Cool. All right. Let us move on into the listener feedback. Listener feedback. Our first item here is a call from Jasmine.
1: Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Jasmine out of North Carolina, and I'm going to make this very quick. All I have to say about this episode is that Henry is tap dancing on my last nerve.
2: Period. Thank you, Jasmine. (laughs) Short and succinct. (laughs) Yeah. You don't really need to say any more than that. I think a lot of people are not really that on board with Henry as a character. I'm sure he has his supporters, but I'm not really one of them. Despite the fact that recently, I think he's been a little bit better until then, he was driving me crazy too.
1: Yeah. He's a little bit annoying. Maybe he's, uh, maybe it will be like Romeo and Juliet and they'll both die and we can move on.
2: Yeah. But and I say, don't, isn't
1: that tragic? I don't want Lydia to die.
2: I only kind of want Henry to die. Right. And you know, I feel bad saying that out loud, but he's a TV show character so he can die and everything will continue on, but he's been a little bit better lately. So Jasmine, maybe give him a chance. Uh, if, if he's on your last nerve, that means maybe he can, he can get off of it and you'll still have it and we can, he'll, he'll redeem himself. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And you have to be careful, Jasmine, because, uh, if you only have one nerve left, then, uh, the world is dangerous. Right. (laughs) Because you could cut yourself and not know about it, Mm -hmm. but you got this, what I envision is somebody pulled a tooth, pulled one of her teeth, and then Henry's got his foot in her mouth and that's just got to be painful and uncomfortable. I would think it would be, yeah. So. Especially with tap shoes on. Jesus. <laughs> My kids have
2: tap shoes. They took tap dancing. It's Nice. Uh, they practiced around the house. It was... Clickety-clackety all
1: over the place. Yeah, it did was... That, did, that tap, did they tap dance on your last nerve sometimes? Um,
2: I, w- I don't know if I would say we got all the way there, but like it's it's good for the kids, bad for the floors. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, well, you buy a uh, a piece of plywood and you stick it down, like a nice uh, piece of oak plywood. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be beautiful for tap dancing. Tap dancing platform. Yeah, if you need one, I got one in the garage. Really? It's wonderful. Yeah, I've got this beautiful piece of oak plywood that I meant to make a desktop out of, and I never got around to it. Uh, so it's uh, and then I bought another piece of uh, uh, of wood for the desktop, so I don't even need the plywood anymore for anything. And it's, it's three quarters of the inch, weighs a fucking ton, but uh, if you need it, I got I got some. Well, I just figured. I mean,
2: where else would you do your tap dancing, Jason? That's why you had it.
1: Well, Jenny used to use it. She was in uh, um, Irish dancing when she was younger and competitions and stuff. And that's what her dad would do: would buy a piece of plywood and stick mm-hmm. it out on the lawn. <laughs> go <laughs> dance out there. Go dance outside. Don't dance. Well, in the most house. of you know. To be fair, the Irish dancing competitions were all outdoors, so practicing outdoors was the way to go. Made sense, right? So you stick a piece of plywood on the floor, and uh, nobody tap dances on your nerves. Maybe Henry needs to do that. Maybe we need to buy Henry some friggin' plywood. Maybe build them a little plywood hut to be all annoying in. <laughs> yeah, just uh, you know to give Jasmine some relief.
2: So, so Jenny would go out and do her Irish dancing, and then the caber toss. I assume, right?
1: No, that's Scottish. Oh, so she did Irish dancing. and The caber toss is Scottish. Damn it! Yeah. That, that makes me look bad being an actual <laughs> Irish citizen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, okay. then, I mean, the Irish invented the bagpipes. That helps. Oh yeah, they yeah, they, they did. I, I associate them with Scotland. Well, yeah, exactly. So the uh, the joke is that the, uh, the Irish invented the bagpipes as a joke on the Scottish, but the Scottish haven't caught on yet. Right. <laughs> they just embraced <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I love the bagpipes, by the way. I was in a pipe band for many years. I know Missed you Miss going to Highland Games, watching the caber toss. Oh, I'm going this summer. Fuck it. Good times. All right. Next, we have a call from Lee.
3: Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Lee in St. Catharines, and I got two things to discuss with you today. First, Jason, you said that the whispers wouldn't have much skill in killing walkers. Um, I don't agree with this, because where do you think they got the skins they're wearing? Because they can't just get it off some dead guy, because that dead guy's up and walking around now. So they've got to be able to kill the walkers. I, I don't agree with that at all. And second, in the uh, one scene where Eugene is talking to um, Gabriel and they're in the the town hall, it's all made of wood, it's all very rustic, why are they living like they're in the 1800s? Like, I get that food and gasoline is all going to be used up or be rotten or not working, I get that, but Eugene had, like, papyrus-type paper. Like, every office and every, like, staples and every business store is going to have Tons of paper because nobody's gonna steal that. Why do they need this brown, like you know, Captain Jack type paper that's super old? Like it looked really odd. And Eugene's wearing a homemade shirt. Like there would be hundreds of shirts and clothing because everybody's dead and no one's going to get it anymore. There'd be tons of clothing left after ten years after the apocalypse. So I wasn't too sure on on why they're setting this up like it's you know the pioneer days. Uh, It just didn't really fly with me. Okay, talk to you guys soon. Bye.
2: Thank you, Lee. Any thoughts on why it's the pioneer days in Alexandria?
1: Okay, so the wood I understand because maybe paint is in short supply or it's not good anymore or they don't feel like fucking mixing it because it would all separate over the number of years. Or maybe they don't have the proper stain and they don't know how to make uh, proper stains. But uh, Eugene would probably know that you could burn the wood. If you burn like the outer layer of wood, it's uh, it preserves it. So you don't actually need to paint it or anything. You can uh, you can actually char the outside of the wood. It's it's uh, a valid technique for preserving um, wooden structures. So they would know that somebody would know that that knew enough about woodworking to make a fucking church. So yeah, I kind of agree with that. Maybe the paint, maybe the stain, maybe the whatever is not readily available, but they don't just don't want to haul it all the way back. In paper, you're absolutely right. Fucking go buy a skein of paper or go steal it or go take it. There's probably skids of it lying around. It's not going anywhere. Uh, and, uh, yeah, polyester does not rot. And there's a lot of polyester shirts out there, or at least poly blend shirts. So, uh, yeah, there's probably enough uh, shirts to go around. Yeah, there probably are
2: enough shirts to go around. Do you think the whole, like, old-timey thing is just an aesthetic thing that they're doing
1: because it kind of looks fun? They're... Making a point that uh, because society has collapsed and because it's years and years later, that the kind of technology that they would have available, readily available to them would be the same kind of technology that they would have in the 1850s or the 1860s. Uh, So if you make the town look like it's from the 1860s, it kind of makes a point that they're going back to that level of technology.
2: Yeah, which... I think they probably would too. I mean, there are not that many living people hanging around still. And that means yeah. that the wealth of knowledge about modern technology would be pretty slim, right? Like yeah. I, I couldn't just get up one morning and build a house, you know, that wouldn't well, work no, for me.
1: And, and I absolutely agree with that. And I kind of agree with the, uh, with the style of the structures, the buildings, but the, you know, Lee has a point on shirts and paper. Mm. Absolutely. You know, there's, we're not running out of paper. There's probably enough paper out there to go around at the, at the moment. You're probably right for, for the number of people that there are. And,
2: and same with clothing, there are whole department stores full of the stuff. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can make your own paper. There's, you know, you go on YouTube, you can have classes on how to make paper. It's uh, it's actually pretty interesting, but. You know, walking into any kind of, first of all, walking into a Staples, uh, Do they have staples in the States or anywhere else other than Canada? I have no idea. In Canada, they're called staples. You can get pens and paper and stuff there. Mm -hmm. So you walk into those, one of those, there's paper everywhere, and it's probably not one of the first things on a lot of people's list to stock up on immediately after the apocalypse. No. Even those stores themselves are probably still locked up tight because why would I go in there? They're not going to have food. They're not going to have weapons. They're going to have paper and pens. I don't need that shit. Yeah, I suppose desk chairs, uh, yeah, keyboards, <laughs> things that yeah. aren't so useful. Scissors,
2: <laughs> ah, scissors, so, sort of a weapon.
1: Yeah, staple stapler. <laughs>
2: yeah, poor, very poor weapon against a zombie.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, I can see the nail gun. We've had nail guns play into uh, the zombie apocalypse, but uh, nobody's uh, attacked a zombie with a stapler yet.
2: No, not yet. I don't think it would do much. Anyways, thank you, Lee, for that call. Next call is from Mike.
4: Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Mike from Alabama. I wanted to say first that I love the show. I love the insight that you and your listeners have about the show. Um, y'all are all educated, informed, and observant, and you pick up on a lot of things that I miss. But I wanted to call and mainly talk in general about Alpha's accent and the, the actor's, actress's name is Samantha Morton, British actress. And I know that they've got a lot of British actors who do Southern accents. And um, hers just sounds really forced and fake. And it sounds almost like a cross between a gone with the wind and a and a, a foghorn, leghorn type accent. And I'm from Alabama. I grew up on the coast, so my accent is a little bit different. I know folks from all over the, the South, Tennessee, Texas. Georgia, uh, the Carolinas, just all over. And I've never heard anything like this, but it's just, it's not enough to to make me rage quit the show or anything like that, but it just makes me cringe when I hear it because it's like nothing I've ever heard. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the show is even set in the South anymore, so they don't even have to have that. But just wanted to see what y'all thought about that. I love the podcast. Keep up the great work.
2: Great. Thanks, Mike. So Alpha's, or Samantha Morton's accent, I guess I should say. I've never really, it's never really bothered me. Now we haven't, had her on the show for all that long um but it never really even entered my thought process that it's a bad southern accent to me it just sounds like a bit of a weird accent that's sort of unplaceable in a way
1: yeah she talks funny like jada's talked funny
2: right but you know jada's talked funny in a different way uh alpha uses complete sentences more or less but it just sort of sounds like a
1: strange regional accent but Um, I don't know if it's supposed to be South. I mean, we don't live with a Southern accent on a daily basis, right? So we're not experts in any way, shape or form. So, uh, I'm with you. I did not pick up on anything, but we're from Canada. So that is understandable. We have our
2: own special accent according to some people. Uh, but not me. (laughs) No, I think you and I are pretty accent free, Yeah, but it depends who you ask. Well, I'd be curious Mike to hear what you think about like Andrew Lincoln and and Lauren Cohan who had to do accents who are also British. Lenny James. Lenny James, exactly. So I wonder if if it's just a weird alpha Samantha Morton thing or if or if he's kind of in tune with everybody's accent on the show and
0: if they're good or bad or whatever. Mhm. All right, next we have a call from Scott. Hey Jason, Chris, this is Scott in Arkansas. I had some ideas in reference to uh, your critique of Alpha's leadership model that she displayed in this last episode with how she groted uh, uh, the woman, cut her head off, and killed the man, and, you know, as far as whether or not this is good leadership or if it would work or if it wouldn't work. Uh, my thoughts on this is that she's sort of a Jim Jones-type character. This is definitely a cult the Whisperers, I feel like, very much has operates in a cult-like manner. And Alpha is uh, like the Jim Jones. She's got the charismatic, some type of control over her group, over her cult. They, they expect the unexpected. They expect her to do crazy shit. They expect her to be the Alpha dog, as it were. <clears throat> and remember, before the apocalypse, she was already crazy anyway, as is evidenced by her story she tells Beta about when Lydia was young and she was wrapped up in the plastic and how she just watched her for a while and then she freed her and then she smacked her for it. Um, So she already was crazy. And so she uh, is just able to let her crazy freak flag fly at uh, full mast in the zombie apocalypse. And for whatever reason, these people that she surrounded herself with have, I guess, bought into it. But think about Jim Jones. Uh, Before the massacre occurred, there might be people who wised up to him and who tried to maybe buck against him that he may have made examples out of, but everybody else didn't like look at that and turn away from him because they had already bought into what he was selling. So logic goes out the window when you're dealing with people like that, and I think that's what we see with The Whisperers and with Alpha. So don't try to make it make sense to your paradigm or to my paradigm because it's a whole uh, other game altogether considering this is a cult. These are crazy people and uh, they don't play nice, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm really excited to see where they're going with this and I'm looking forward to the future episodes and looking forward to the future podcasts from you guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Bye. Great.
2: Thank you, Scott. So Jason, I don't know if we're going to be able to, answer this question or even address this topic very well, because I feel like it requires a little bit of expertise, but the idea that the Whisperers are a cult, yeah, um, I'm not sure if that sits right with me. And I say we can't answer this because I'm certainly not an expert. You know, I could probably define the word cult on my own, but, you know, I'm sure there are certain characteristics about something that you would call a cult that the Whisperers may or may not have. And I'm certainly not an expert in the field. So, right. um, And then the other thing about it is referring to Alpha as crazy. um, You know, I, I don't know if that is the kind of thing or if that's one of the things that contributes to making this kind of situation a cult situation or if it doesn't. Uh, because I'm not so sure that cult leaders are necessarily described as crazy. Um, when I was thinking about this and I also don't know if, if, if you would say the word crazy is different than insane, because I feel like those things are a little bit different. And I, and again, I don't know if one or the other is more associated to cult leadership or cult membership than the other. So throwing all that out there, you know, I don't know. I just don't know where sort of, sort of I land on this, this question.
1: Right. So we have a bunch of unanswered questions. What is a cult? Is this a cult? Uh, is she a cult leader? And would a cult leader get away with doing this kind of stuff with her cult? And is she crazy
2: or is she insane or is she neither?
1: Well, I think crazy and the, the word crazy and the word insane are both derogatory terms for uh, mental illness. Right. So I don't think that the crazy and insane is different than, uh, uh, than each other. I don't think. But I, that's just my opinion.
2: I think the word crazy might be used that way more derogatory than the word insane. Yeah. But I also don't think they mean exactly the same thing either. So.
1: Yeah. I, I, well, okay. Ultimately, I don't know. Yeah. No moron means something very specific as far as IQ goes. <laughs> right? It's funny. I get called that all the time. I mean, I should know what it means. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, so if, if uh, anybody out there uh, is or knows a uh, expert on cults and or is a member of the FBI and can get into get in touch with the uh, the FBI's uh, Center of Excellence for cults, then uh, we've got some questions we need answered. I mean, and have you, them watch the show. Do the you th- Do you think you could define
2: the word cult off the top of your head without looking in a dictionary? Me? No, because... I would say we'll see how this goes. A cult is a group of people who follow a single leader blindly and without question, often to their own detriment. And okay. that would be my definition of cult. Um And that just came off the top of my head right now. And I feel like it's pretty good, but I don't but I don't know if that's the actual definition of cult. And when I think about it like that, I think the whisperers do kind of qualify. You have a group of people who seem to be following Alpha um, to their own detriment when maybe they think that this is the right thing for them. Now, in this episode, we saw the two people who rebelled against her. They were both killed. Maybe that's part of the definition of cult, too. The leader will go to extremes to keep his or her followers in line. But again, I'm not 100%
1: sure. So I looked up the word cult. Wow. I'm so
2: glad there's a way we can do that instantaneously.
1: (laughs) So a cult is a relatively defined as a relative, a noun, a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister, Second definition is a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. Okay. I would go with cult.
2: Yeah, I I guess so. Like, I I think my definition was closer to the second one there, because I didn't mention the religious thing, and I didn't realize that uh, cults were necessarily always religiously based.
1: Well, these are all religious or, right? Right. Like the... So both of these definitions are basically having religious beliefs or practices, and the second one is a misplaced or excessive admiration. That doesn't even have religion there. And another definition is, is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed towards a particular figure or object.
2: So it is often like a singular leader or, I guess, object, but in this case, like a, a person that's kind of the figurehead
1: of the whole yeah. thing. So I would lean towards cult yeah uh I would lean toward and uh you know b- based on Jim Jones and that whole craziness <laughs> <laughs> right uh yeah I mean people will do some stupid things for uh a particular person they may not all be believers like a- you know absolute believers, but uh at the very least they're scared of not pretending to believe right, yeah, so very. that's enough to get them to do something or not do something,
2: yeah, and then. Again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come down on one side or the other on on this either, but the notion that Alpha is obviously crazy because of what she did to Lydia when Lydia was three and got tangled up in the um, dry cleaner uh, plastic. Again, I don't know if that necessarily means she's crazy like there there could be a number of factors involved in that her acting that way in that situation right maybe insanity is one of them um or or mental illness let's say um but then you have to talk about sort of the source of the mental illness i think and and so on so yeah i think there's a lot of balls in the air here and i'm gonna drop many of them
1: yeah and it's probably you know uh Getting somebody out of a tangle of plastic that they were suffocating in and then smacking them is, in my opinion, bad parenting. At the very least. Yeah. yeah. So what you know, whatever the cause of that uh, probably didn't help with the rearing of that child in a healthy uh, emotional way. No, I wouldn't think so. I
2: wouldn't think so. All right. Anyways, thank you for your call, Scott. It certainly made me think about a lot of word definitions.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's always that,
2: and how they apply to the show. It's important. I think it's interesting stuff. I think we should look up all the words in the show. Let's just do that. We'll we'll rebrand this podcast into a uh, etymology podcast. That'd be fun. Awesome.
1: That would yeah cool actually. All
2: right. Let's move on. Cameron in Sydney, Australia, writes this email. Alpha is starting to get on my nerves. She seemed so menacing initially, and her backstory gave viewers immediate satisfaction in a really fast character development where she seemed truly threatening. But I am just really struggling to believe that this group of people, most of whom have now seen Hilltop and are acutely aware that there are thriving walled communities living in comparative luxury, would stoically listen to a psychopathic leader who is making them wear dead people's faces, battle the elements, and risk themselves living the most dangerous way possible. Come on, it's just too inconceivable. Those people at the Whisperers community, uh, by and large, seem pretty normal. They There would be mass mutiny. In fact, it wouldn't even have got to the point of mutiny because Alpha would never have risen to be the leader she is. I don't know. I haven't read far enough in the comics to meet the Whisperers. And I've heard they are pretty cool in the comics, so I'll wait it out in the hope that they become a bit more digestible and understandable.
1: I don't think we can make a valid uh, judgment from the outside of decisions made by cult followers. (laughs) Right, but the
2: show has to make us understand a little bit, right? Right.
1: That's true. You can't just label everything under the umbrella of, uh, oh, they're a cult. They'll do anything, she says. Yeah. You know, regardless of the ramifications or uh, anything. So does that
2: mean, though, that the idea that they've now seen the hilltop and they see this community with walls where people are free-ish, you know, and and they live in comparative luxury, as Cameron says, is it – does that explain – the fact that this is a cult, I guess, does that explain why none of the whispers see that and go, man, I want that. I'm going to go and get that.
1: Alpha has been saying that that is crazy for a long time. Mm-hmm. She's been saying that living behind walls is just nuts because it's not, uh, it's not a valid way to live. Our, our society is the valid way to live. Those are the crazy ones. Yeah. So I think, uh, from that point of view, yeah, those, stupid bastards are living behind walls they're just they're just waiting to die so it's a it's a matter of brainwashing i guess
2: and and at the other end of things we don't know for sure that none of the whisperers won't try to defect over to hilltop or somewhere else that could be a plot line that the show goes down right
1: yeah and some of the hilltoppers could defect over to the uh the whispers <laughs>
2: there's no reason why they they wouldn't i guess not you'll uh, you'll get somebody go out and go man i really want to be all dirty live in the forest with no shelter yeah, and eat bugs. eat bugs worms chop up raw you know deer and then what do just- you
1: think daryl's been doing for the last couple of years yeah good point That's what he is. He (laughs) practically is a whisperer anyways. Yeah. He's been doing exactly that. I don't want to live behind your crazy walls and sleep in a stupid bed. I want to sleep on the ground with my head in the dirt and I want to breathe bugs. And for two seasons, he barely said a word. So he might as well have been whispering. Exactly.
2: All right. Well, I guess Daryl isn't so, you know, the, 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 it's a fine line between Daryl and the whisperers or, or was. It's a very fine line. He's, he's. He's a little better now, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, he,
1: he threw that foot in the fire to eat it, right? Or did he, was he cooking it? Did we ever land on an answer for that? I think he was cooking it.
2: Cooking the foot to eat? No, he, there's no way he's eating human body parts. He's not a cannibal. Or was it How not? How you a, know? Why not? He's just not. I can, you know. He'd rather eat bugs? I think he'd rather eat bugs, yeah. He All was right. feeding the body parts to dog, right? That's fine. Dogs can eat oh. body parts.
1: Well, they then why cook it?
2: I don't know, maybe dog is picky and he likes his foot his feet cooked.
1: <laughs> well, I I guess I assume everybody does.
2: If I was going to eat a foot, I think I'd prefer it cooked, but <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I'm going to try never to find that out, yeah.
1: Yeah, let's let's not find out. All right, next we have an email from Amy in Indy. That's I assume that's Indiana.
2: Yeah, Indy, Indiana.
1: Indianapolis? I think that's independent? the Independent. S- Amy in Independent. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Anyway, Amy writes in, uh, listening to the feedback podcast, and what hit me was the nature of the whispers. Uh, being there but undetected could mean, mean that they have witnessed a lot of our communities without their knowledge. Maybe recon is their power. They have stood on the sidelines of other conflicts while appearing at a glance as walkers. For all we know, they watched Negan kill Glenn and Abraham and Rick's response. If they know more about our communities than they are letting on, this could be uh, this could up their dangerousness. Yeah, up
2: their dangerousness. and. I think that's interesting. They could have been hanging around for years and just never made themselves known. That's true. I mean. They
1: seem to not know anything about the Hilltop, though.
2: I guess. Maybe the Hilltop is is the one that's new to them, or I don't know, or it's just a game they're playing, right? It's just a hack they're putting on. But the only thing about this theory that doesn't work for me is that I don't think the Whisperer's really behave entirely like actual zombies. So,
1: Well, no, because zombies don't make camp.
2: Right. But I mean, without knowing that, like if if we had a group of our characters walking around and they saw a bunch of whisperers walking around, um, they might, if they're paying attention, realize, wait a minute, those walkers aren't coming after us. And they might wonder what's going on. But on the other hand, maybe not. So the whisperers could have been mingling about the area for a long time, just gathering information and figuring out how these communities work. And now somehow they're going to use that info against them.
1: I agree. I just don't think that that's the case here. I mean, it's possible that they could have been doing that, but every indication we've had is that this is the first time that these two groups have encountered each other.
2: Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I, I, I think that's where we're going here and it's going to play out in a different way, but it's fun to think that they could have just been mulling around for a long time and just biding their time.
1: That's true. You know. I mean, there could be another group of people that have access to satellites. I mean, all those satellites are still up there. A lot of them are. They probably have some of them that have crashed. But if there's somebody out there that has access to uh, satellites, they can know everything. I, I guess. <laughs> satellites are probably pretty self-sufficient up
2: there, so they're just going to keep spinning around the Earth.
1: Yeah, but they uh, they have to adjust their orbits every now and again so that they don't burn up in the atmosphere, right? Is that yeah? Really? I don't know
2: if that's true. No, once they once they're in orbit, they stay in orbit, right? So things well, work Well, if they
4: if their
1: orbit is perfect, sure, right? If they have a perfect orbit, yes. But you know, nothing is perfect, so it's either going to decay or it's going to start to elongate, and weird things will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and either it'll fly off into fucking nowhere, or it'll crash. Likely, when that shit happens, it crashes into the ocean. Yeah, one of those two things. All right. Anyway. Well, I don't think anyone has access to satellites. and uh, I do. I I do. I think someone has access to satellites. I don't think it'll ever come up, but in the realm of the Walking Dead universe, I think there's probably a group of people hanging out in NORAD, uh, maybe under Cheyenne Mountain, uh, nice and safe and tucked in, growing uh, grown potatoes out of- uh, Human feces. Uh, out of human feces and various people's feet. And uh, they're watching <laughs> right. shit on satellite television. Well, not satellite television, but they're like watching the planet on satellites uh-huh. playing tic-tac-toe. Oh, well, see, that's a, that's a nice thought. They're down there somewhere. Yeah, that's what I think.
2: All right. Well, we'll have to find out. Uh, Chris in the UK continues or, or writes about the Whisperers. He says, the Whisperers aren't afraid of walkers. They believe they have control over them. What we have here is complacency. They had people out there controlling the herd. They are used to the sound of walkers nearby. They have no reason to worry about that. I don't think that it's something entirely new. I just think it's been a really long time since they had to face an attack like this. With the attack underway, Alpha and Beta are thinking of survival first, their own survival first. I do like the suggestion that it's just considered a culling of the weak. I think that works too. So obviously Chris is talking about when the walkers attack the camp led by Daryl and Connie, um, and, and sort of why their defenses might be down or just not ready yet. Right. That they're just not afraid of the walkers and they hear them around all the time. So it doesn't, it might not be alarming to hear them approaching all of a sudden out of nowhere.
1: That's that's true, and this is a very important point that uh, I want to talk about, but uh, the next email also touches on this, so let's talk about it after that. Do it. All right, so next we have Perry from Oregon. He writes, uh, just a quick note for you guys on the stealth herd that overwhelmed the Whisperers camp. We did not get anything to tell us this, but my assumption was that the masks that Daryl and Connie wore were taken from the Whisperers that were guiding the herd outside the camp. Then they could have guided the herd right into the camp. This doesn't explain why the herd was was silent coming in. But if we think back to the uh, to the challenge uh, to Alpha earlier, it seemed like the entire camp was just standing around watching. So maybe everyone was watching the exchange with Henry and not paying attention to the walkers. Kind of like how you live next to an airport, the sound of planes becomes background noise. For the Whisperers, the sound of the walkers is just background noise. Yeah. And that's a very important point, and I've actually experienced that. When I lived near you, I lived probably 50 yards or 50 meters from a fire station, and there was fire trucks going by 24 hours a day every day mm-hmm. with their sirens on, and I stopped hearing them. They did not bother me. I mean, was it super annoying when you first moved in? I don't remember it being super annoying. I remember noticing it but i knew there was a fire station there and i started renting the apartment anyway but uh, we were close enough when i this is um, jenny and i had an apartment there i lived in the an apartment before jenny and i moved in together and then we moved in together in the same building in a different apartment that was closer to the fire station but in the summer with all our windows windows open and the doors open to the fire hall we could hear the alarm that told the firefighters they needed to get in their trucks oh cool So that alarm would go off and then 40 seconds later, I timed it. It's always like 40 to 45 seconds later, the sirens came on in the trucks and they were off doing whatever they needed to do, saving lives, helping people, getting cats out of trees, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I absolutely agree with uh, Perry and Chris that uh, something in the background like that, airport, fire hall, uh, what have you, highway, that shit just becomes background noise that you don't notice anymore. So that's a very important point here that these walkers coming into camp, uh, the fact that we didn't hear them might have just been the way they're told the story of they don't notice that uh, walker sounds anymore.
2: Yeah, and that's pretty dangerous. I mean, for most people anyways, and I guess for them too, but it does explain it. And it doesn't explain why they got, how they got into the middle of the camp
1: before they started attacking people.
2: Well, I mean, maybe most of the camp was like congregated there right in the middle around what was going on. So that's true. You know, it, it would make sense to keep some people out on the perimeter and keep an eye on things.
1: Well, that's who Daryl and Connie killed,
2: right? Oh, right. They took those guys. They were the ones out there managing things. So
1: yeah,
2: it might've not been all that suspicious to see them come back. I don't know. Maybe it was a shift
1: change, right? (laughs) Well, you think that they would not come into the camp for fish ship change when you're carrying a pack of zombies with you. I, I know. It doesn't make sense. But anyways, it... Uh, this helps. This helps me. It helps. It helps me. So thanks, Perry and Chris, for bringing this up.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Mindy on the internet writes, This was probably the weakest episode of the season for me so far, but I still enjoyed it. I was laughing, though, during the challenge challenging of Alpha scene. All I could think was about how the group of was scattered around the woods, all focused on this couple challenging the leader, in whispers, very low tones of voice. Those whispers in the back had to be thinking, "What did? What'd she say? What's going on?" <laughs> M- maybe sound carries really well. I don't know. It just struck me as funny. That's funny. <laughs> that is a sort <laughs> of a say?
1: funny thought to be like in well, the maybe, back.
2: Wait, I can't hear. What? What's going on up there?
1: Wait, somebody maybe get we their have head a grapevine situation that people just whisper what's being said in the center of the uh of the commotion so that it all filters out. Uh yeah,
2: maybe, maybe I don't know, I just it is a funny thought to have people in the back not knowing what's going on cuz they can't hear. Yeah. And and there's nothing so, worse than trying to watch something, some kind of performance and not be able to hear it right. That's that's the worst.
1: That's true. So you know, maybe you know how grapevines go when you uh, you get in a circle and you tell one kid something, and then you have the kid whisper to the next kid, and it goes all the way around the circle, and at the end, it's entirely something different. It's called so broken was, telephone. It's called what? It's called broken telephone. Broken telephone. Yeah. So you know, if they were just uh, whispering what was being said, you know, you have uh, you have Alpha saying uh, he wasn't challenging me, you're challenging me, and the person on the way to the back goes what. You want to change the baby? What? <laughs> Why would you want to change the baby? What are they talking about?
2: I thought we left the baby at Hilltop.
1: Was, <laughs> is there another baby? You want to go back and change the baby?
2: <laughs> exactly. So broken telephone can be fun. It can be really fun. I'll give you a tip, Jason. When your son is old enough and he's he's having birthday parties, get all ten or eleven kids that you have at your house in a circle and play broken telephone. It's funny. To to number I one, understand see their reactions as the kids like go around and try to whisper it to each other. And then the last kid at the end to say whatever it was, it's pretty funny.
1: Do you think there's some shithead in the middle that, just says something different it, uh, that's what i think always happens is there's always at least one fuckhead uh not saying what they heard or what they thought they heard <laughs> or do you think it's like an honest retelling of what they heard and they just misinterpreted what they heard
2: i i mean i gotta believe that the kids take this semi-seriously so they're not screwing with the game like that but that being said it, we have rarely had a birthday party at our house where there wasn't one shithead
1: kid that's come. Well, see, that's the thing, is that in every group of, pe- group of people, there's always one shithead that's fucking shit up for everybody else. Yes. And that's, just, that's human nature, right? This is not, either way, any way you slice it, this is a representation of what reality is in uh, living with other humans, right? And that's what part of the fun of the game is, is that, you know, this is a life lesson. You know, a microcosm of a life lesson. Yeah. You know, when you when you have people telling people, the retelling changes and it gets embellished or whatever. But I always think there's one shithead. There's always got to be one shit. This is the only explanation I have. Well, even because if- I always said exactly what I heard, and I'm ninety nine percent sure that my retelling is accurate. And if that was the same for everybody, then they'd get pretty much the same message. Well, but it's always wildly different. No matter what happens, it's still funny in the end. So I say it's still it, funny and it's still human nature. I just think somebody's a shithead is the human nature that we're experiencing. Right. Through broken telephone. <laughs> <Yes>. That's right.
4: <laughs> okay. Well, there's, uh,
2: and that's, that's a good life lesson right there too. Yeah, exactly. You got to know that they're out there and watch out for the shitheads. And they're probably one of your friends. Oh, I, no doubt. You know, yeah. <laughs> I work at a small company. There's probably a shithead amongst the 12 of us.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter how many people are in the group that you're in. Somebody's a shithead. You know, you and I are just talking here. It's probably me. I'm fully, fully aware that I can admit that. Uh, but, you know, basically, even when you're by yourself, somebody's a shithead. <laughs> yeah. So now that's take the, that, human nature. Yeah, that's the lesson right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, go for it. What are we talking about now? All right. So we have uh, Chris in St. Louis. Yes. Sorry, you made notation as to who says what, and we're still confused. Well, I'm still confused because I'm the shithead. We've already agreed on that, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we, next we have an email from Chris in St. Louis. One of the things that I found very interesting was the back and forth between Alpha and Lydia, because it confirmed that at least a few of the things Lydia told Daryl were the truth, mainly that she actually thought no one was coming for her and that Alpha broke her own rule to come and get her.
2: Yeah, and I just wanted to include this one because... If nothing else, and that's not true, there's lots of things that are good, but one of the things that is good that they're doing really well, I think, is slowly revealing to us sort of the way the Whisperers live. We may think it's weird and and not very convincing and so on, but the way they're rolling it out to us, I think, is interesting. It's coming out in what we see and in believable conversations between characters, um, and I like that. And then the other thing is that as I said before, a couple of times, you know, um, Lydia, I think is amazing on this show and I, I'm always fascinated by what she's doing and what she's saying, because you aren't really sure whose agenda she is promoting at that moment, whose side she's on. I'm pretty sure now she's more with Henry and with that yeah. group, but when she was in that cell and when they were walking back. Uh, to the Whisperers' camp, sometimes you felt like she was being really honest with people. Sometimes he didn't. I think it's just playing out really well.
1: It is. I, mean, I think she's on the side of love, personally. Yeah, I think you might be right. I mean, she licked that worm off for Henry, right? That's a that's a. Big, I keep bringing that up because it's a big thing. Like she just took the dirt, right? She took all the dirt in her mouth, but didn't get any of the nutrient nutrients from the worm. So that's that's love. It's got to be love. It's got to be. I mean, you don't
2: (laughs) lick a worm just for anybody.
1: No, I wouldn't.
2: No, it's got to be someone really special.
1: That's a big deal. Uh, So I think that it's also important to recognize that Lydia is uh, trying to survive, right? Mm -hmm. And she is trying to survive in an enemy camp, and she has to have those same skills to survive standing next to her mother. Right. Which is kind of sad. But it's also true. She's trying to survive. She's giving enough information to be uh, credible and to maintain her life so that she can move on to the next challenge, Mm -hmm. uh, finding yo-yos and whatnot. Right. But uh, so she's, I don't think she's necessarily on anybody's side other than herself, but maybe now Henry's. Her and Henry, uh, whether this will kill them, I don't know, but that I think she's on the side of love. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's, uh, it's it's nice. It's
2: it's nice to have someone on the side of love.
1: It is. Good. Henry, on the other hand, is on that very, it, the other side of that coin is, he's just horny. Right? <laughs> well, He's on the side of, I'm horny. He's on the side of boning
2: down. I mean, he's a teenage boy. What are you going to do?
1: Well, I didn't want to go that far, but
2: he's just, he's horny. <laughs> also, you know, same thing. Teenage boy. What are you going to do? Exactly. All right. Robin in London, UK, writes, The big problem with the Whisperer's storyline isn't that they're rubbish when confronted with actual living, breathing walkers. And he um, crossed out living and breathing. (laughs) Or that they can't take their own masks off without assistance. It's not even that their leader is completely untrustworthy and plagued by double standards. It's that we have absolutely seen all this before. It's hardly a new observation that The Walking Dead does the same stuff over and over. When it's not recycling moral hand-wringing, how far would you go to protect the ones you love? Isolation or integration? Strive for a better tomorrow or just survive somehow? It's recycling story arcs. And so, every season or two, we get a new antagonist, the good guys face off with them, they emerge victorious, minus a few heartbreaking casualties, rinse, repeat... We've seen it with the governor, we've seen it with the claimers, seen it with Terminus, seen it with the wolves, seen it with the saviors, and now we're seeing it with the whisperers. The big problem is that The Walking Dead isn't just recycling tropes now, it's actually recycling characters. Because, strip away the incredible acting chops of Samantha Morton, she's sublime in this role as always, and Alpha is basically Martha, the filthy woman from Fear the Walking Dead. Same level of all-round grubbiness, same annoyingly bland worldview about strength versus weakness, same kooky identification with the dead over the living, same blah, blah, blah snore. I hated Martha. It made me hate Fear the Walking Dead, and I think I'm starting to hate The Walking Dead too now.
1: Well, that all makes sense in a sad way. That's the problem with
2: Robin's email. It all does kind of make sense in a sad way. The the themes mentioned, the character similarities. Now it's to be fair, it's a different show, but it's still within the same universe, and you know, same executive producers and so on. Um, and but it does all ring true a little bit. I don't think it's making well. It's not making me hate the show. It's not taking me away from it as much as, as it is for Robin. But it does, you know raise the hairs on the back of my neck a little bit to
1: read that and think, you know what? I see the point here. <laughs> Sad. What? One thing that I've noticed is that I tend to agree with everybody when it comes to specifically, uh, the feedback show. Like yeah. If it's, if it's praise, I agree with it. It makes sense. It's great. It makes me feel good. If it's, you know, uh, picking it apart going, this has all been recycled before. I agree with that too. I agree with, and it's making me weird. It feel weird that uh, I tend to agree with everybody. I even agree with people that ad you know adamantly disagree with my own personal opinion. And I'll agree with their opinion for a short while. I mean you're you're very good at
2: seeing other people's sides and putting yourself in their shoes. That must be what it is.
1: Well, that's a nice way to put it, and I appreciate that. <laughs> and I feel a little less weird. Or See, maybe you're I just even, I even just agreed with you. Yeah. I was going to say, maybe you're just really
2: simple minded, but it's not. I don't know about that, but (laughs) yeah. And, And, and this just speaks to the fact that there's a lot of things at play here. There's a lot of stuff going on and there are a lot of valid opinions and, and criticisms and just ways to see this, this show and probably any show And we have some fantastic listeners who can express themselves in email very well and make their points. And it's hard to disagree with anyone. Um, It's happened. You know, I can remember things that people have written in and say about how amazing JDM is as as Negan, which, uh, um, you know, for a while I disagreed with, but recently I'm sort of coming around. So even that isn't a very good example. So I don't know. Uh, Robin makes some good points and so does everybody else. It's true.
1: Okay. So next we have uh, Durant. No, we have Dan in Durant, Iowa, who probably also makes a good point. Uh, Dan writes, Judas is zero part Grimes. Her mom was Lori, never knew her. Her father was Shane. Never knew him. Her dad, in quotes, was Rick. He left when she was three, so she barely knew him. Her brother was Carl, who also left when she was three. Her per- personality isn't formed by her biological parents, and she's never knew uh, that she, uh, that she never knew. It's formed by Michonne and maybe Negan. I don't think this story should be sh- portraying her as a version of Rick. Yeah,
2: this is, I just wanted to include this one because I sort of find it easy to forget that Rick is not her biological father.
1: Um, Did we know that for sure?
2: I believe we do know that for sure. Yeah, I think we okay. do. And if we don't, it's like 90, high 90%, you know, that, that it's Shane. So it's, yes, Lori's her biological mother, but Lori had no, uh, uh input on raising her because she died the, day she was born yep and rick is long gone and so really judith was raised primarily by michonne um alone as far as we know and now she's bonded with negan and i think she's probably learned some stuff from negan and he's definitely shaped her personality a little bit even if not directly just by her experience with him being around in jail so right. it's, I think it's just a fun point. It's an interesting point And, um, you know, the show probably shouldn't be portraying her as a version of Rick, or if they are, it has to be in sort of a nostalgic kind of way where she now is old enough to look back at pictures of her dad or, or, um, if there are any pictures of her dad, I don't know.
1: Well, it not, I don't know. It might not be that many. That they probably don't have a lot of cameras. Yeah. But. Uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do something inconsistent to what I was just rambling about. I'm going to go ahead and disagree. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm, the reason I'm going to disagree is that Judas has been growing up for all these years in a community that has known her dad and has been telling her about Rick Grimes. She is trying to emulate him and emulate what he was. And therefore I think that, the show doesn't necessarily have to shy away from portraying her as a little Rick. I mm. think that she's trying to be a little Rick and therefore it's valid. I mean, she's succeeding. I think she, she behaves like, well, him. she's carrying that Python. Like it's nothing. She's probably super strong, yeah. but, uh, everybody's been telling her what Rick was like. Rick was this leader. Rick, uh, he was super cool. He had this Python. He, uh, was, uh, competent and uh, self-confident and uh, all these things and did his own thing. He didn't listen to anybody. He always just went with how he felt and she's trying to emulate that. She's doing that because of this, like you say, this nostalgic portrayal of this uh, dead father that she never knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess that's valid.
2: I mean, if, If that's where it's coming from, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't think it can be coming from anywhere other than than that kind of influence. The influence that Michonne has, and I guess that everybody in the town has, of probably expecting her in a way to live up to him a little bit, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, frankly, she's probably also getting a lot of information about her dad from Negan, which is weirdly distorted. Or is it? Like, I'm sure it's distorted a little bit,
2: but negan is a a strange guy and i think negan had a certain amount of respect for rick so maybe he is is translating that to judith in a way right maybe like, like like negan might not be down there in that cell just badmouthing him the whole time i don't think he i don't think that's his style
1: yeah you're probably right but i can agree with you i don't know i it's
2: still anyways it it's fun. It's, it's fun to think about what she's going to become. And when she gets older, will it be more like Mr. Rick or Mr. Negan? What if she ends up like Negan? That's crazy to
1: think about. Yeah. Well, I want somebody to turn into a bad guy. Yeah. Go from. Yeah, we had an opportunity. We had two opportunities for that in, well, one in this show and one in, uh, fear of the walking dead and it didn't happen. We had Madison. I was hoping to God she would turn into a bad guy at some point, but she would, apparently she's dead. And I put that in quotes. Uh, and, uh, we had an opportunity for Lori, not Lori, uh, Maggie to be a, to, she was sort of going down the bad guy road, but then she fucked off and now she's doing another show.
2: Yeah. We had the, uh, potential conflict between her and Rick which we've never yeah. seen.
1: It went nowhere fast. I don't even know why they added that scene at all.
2: Showrunner change. Showrunner needed to put her own mark on the show. And let's be honest, she's put an amazing
1: mark on this show. So That's true, Angela. You're doing a great job. It, so Yeah, okay. So let's chalk that up to showrunner change. I think, I think that, you can. That yeah. scene was a mistake. We'll just write it out of continuity. Pretend it never existed. We do that. Sometimes, yeah, It works. I've, yeah, I've written off scenes, many scenes. <laughs> I remember them all. The ones
2: I've written off, but I just, you just pretend they don't exist. That's right. Okay. Smart. Gemma in South Wales, UK writes, okay, so Negan, I know what he's done to Glenn and Abraham and everyone else, but I like him. I can't help it. It might be JDM, but this toned down, insightful Negan is appealing to me. And Judith has a point saying he's only human. I don't think I'd completely trust him again, but there must be something more they can do with him now than keep him in a cell. I know you've talked about this a lot, but Negan's, uh, but from Negan's point of view, Rick killed a lot of people. And sometimes I think he was a bit too nice to everyone in a way, i.e. Sasha, Carl, Eugene, which cost him in the end. I just think he'd be more useful somewhere else. And-
5: yeah.
1: That's true. Well, JD, it is a lot of JDM, right? He's a very charming guy. In every other show he's ever been in, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's very accessible and charming and uh, people love him. He's very charming in real life, too. Oh, I can imagine. You know? I mean, he's he's no Simon. He's no Stephen Ogg, right? But <laughs> he's a pretty charming guy.
2: Stephen Ogg in, in real life is intimidating, just like he's intimidating on the show. I don't have a lot of experience interacting with him, but I, I, I can't see myself just going up to Steven Ogg and and saying hello. JDM, I sort of can. I find yeah. him a little intimidating too because he's so good looking and rugged and uh, just generally sexy. But I how's can, his ass? Uh, not not existent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, he's a charming guy in real life and. Yeah, I mean, he's started to bring some of that through to Negan, maybe.
1: Maybe, maybe I just like the bad boys. You must. The bad boys yeah. with no asses. Well, not uh, JDM,
2: but Stephen Ogg. Oh, right, sorry, you love the Stephen Ogg, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah, so maybe I like the bad boys. Yeah. He's got an ass. I think I, I never really noticed to tell you the truth.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm not sure. He's pretty skinny, too, so he might not. Oh, Anyways. he's built, though. We've seen him with his shirt off in uh, Westworld you if you also follow him on Instagram you'll occasionally see him with his shirt off and like his crazy beard and uh the other day I noticed he was uh posing with a little tiny kitten in his hand so he's got a Aww. softer
1: side too what's Instagram uh i look it up <laughs> i've heard of it but i'm not sure what it is is it like a picture blog uh, no <laughs> okay it's uh we'll move on yeah let's <laughs> uh, all right, we have an email from. Did just, did just? No, it's the, these, thesis
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I think so. I, I, I can't say I know how to pronounce it exactly either. But I think it's short for like Matthias in it's Dutch. Matthias. So maybe Thies or Thias. Yeah. Sorry, man. I know we've been over this before because he's emailed us before. Um, but we're idiots. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Matthias? <laughs> Just read it. From the Netherlands. <laughs> uh, this, Male or female? Matthias? Male. Matthias? Male? Okay, so he writes. It's like, it's like Matthew. Okay, so Matthew writes listen, <laughs> the phrase head over hammer toes is, of course, an adaptation of saying head over heels where the two ends of your body are used. But Eugene's way of thinking, the toes are further from your head than your heels, uh, thus making toes more appropriate than heels in this saying. And apparently, Eugene has hammer toes, which is an abnormal, abnormality where your toes start curling down, usually due to wearing bad or small shoes, which is probably quite common in the zombie apocalypse. You idiots. Nice. Uh, so I didn't know hammer toes was an actual real thing, but I oh, looked yeah, it up. Oh, yeah, totally. And it is. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and he's right. What I like most about this, this email was that, uh, I didn't catch the listen at the beginning, but then at the end it was just like you idiots. And I went back and now oh, it's all there. Yeah. I didn't notice. And I thought that was fantastic. It was wonderful. It's framed perfectly. So, yeah. uh, yeah.
2: Hammer toes are a thing. And I looked up pictures of it.
1: Which, Why would you do that?
2: Well, it's not so bad. I, I mean, do that. there there's other conditions you really don't want to look up pictures of, but
1: well, they probably come up in a, Image shirts search, search when you write, type in hammer toes. Uh, no, like, just the hammer toes. Did I didn't really scroll down too far though. So okay, good for <laughs> you. Uh, so same thing with the shirts though. There's got to be lots of shoes out there, right? Probably less so than shirts because people think that shoes are important uh, in the zombie apocalypse. So there's probably less access to shoes mm-hmm. than there would be to polyester blend shirts. So. Uh, but there's probably enough shoes out there to, to get a good, decent pair of
2: shoes. Oh yeah, probably. But they might be hard to come by if you're, if you're not looking for them. I don't know. We're going out of well, your way.
1: Take care of your feet, people. Oh, well, they're so, very important. You spend a lot of time walking around on them. Uh, then take care of them. Change your socks as often as you can. Keep them dry. Mm-hmm. You don't want trench foot. Oh God, you do not. Cause
2: you can't run away if you have bad feet. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of running away. Being done in the zombie apocalypse, so.
1: And that's exactly why I would die early in the zombie apocalypse. I have bad knees, I run like an old woman, and I would probably stand my ground and die because I don't have much of a choice.
2: I, can I come over to your house with my phone and film you running down the street and post it on the internet? No. Come on, that'd be so funny. For you. Well, yeah. (laughs) For other people, not for
1: me. (laughs) Why would I agree to that?
2: That's I crazy. Uh, I, I think people would like to see that. There's Jason running, everyone. <laughs> and no. he tripped and fell in that puddle. <laughs> okay. Daniela, uh, Danielle in upstate New York writes, how cute were Daryl and Connie with their zombie double kill? Now they are running off into the sunset on a double date with Henry and Lydia.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: Yeah. Uh, I do think Daryl and Connie are kind of cute together. I'm not so sure they're on a fun double date. With the other two right now, but maybe someday.
1: Well, I mean, this might be considered a date, right? What do you do in a date in the zombie apocalypse when you're Daryl? Go collecting some ears. Yeah, you run away, get some squirrels. Yeah, live in Let's the go forest. get a bandolier of squirrels. Live in the forests <laughs> eating dirt for six months. Yeah. All right, next week I have, e- have an email from Chris in Toronto. With the love quadrangle that Rosita is involved in, I think the only way this will be solved is through the death of one or more of these four characters. Either Rosita dies and all the guys bond together in their sorrow, or Gabe dies and Eugene finally gets the girl. Somebody's going to die. I am
2: convinced of it, and it could be. It's not be- going to be Rosita. Um- probably be Gabriel. Yeah, I think of the four people in this love triangle, I think all of them have an equal chance of being killed off this season.
1: You think they're going to kill Eugene? I don't think they're going to kill Eugene. <sighs> Maybe
2: they're not. They're not going to kill a pregnant lady. Maybe not as much as Eugene. I think they might kill a pregnant lady. Not until she gives birth. Look what happened to the Lori. They waited till she gave birth. Yeah, I know. But I and I then just-
1: th- Then there's three men and the baby. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Okay. Just for that, they're probably going to do it that way. You're right. But I think somebody here, maybe multiple people in this group of four are going down and I'm not going to be excited. I mean, I'm not going to be happy about it, but people die. And I think we got four prime candidates here. Maybe, maybe not Eugene. I mean, he might be the one that lives out of all these, but who knows?
1: Okay. So, uh, I agree with you that it could be any of the four But it's not going to be Eugene, it's not going to be Sadiq, and it's not going to be Rosita. I hear you. I hear what you're saying.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Well, let's keep going. Uh, Nick in New Jersey. I think that clearly this episode is leading up to the big reveal of Enid's role as a spy. Oh, good. Enid and Negan have been working together for some time now to lure everyone into a false sense of security. The saviors annihilated. Negan has been in jail and just went back in. Their spying operation has just about reached its peak, and they are about to launch a coup or something, maybe take over Alexandria or Hilltop or open up a hot dog stand or something. Either that, or maybe we can let go of this whole Enid spy theory one of these seasons.
1: No, I mean, never.
2: Yes, I, I, I read
1: that just for that last sentence, because I think we can let it go. So... Uh, Enid might not be a spy for the saviors. I'll concede that now. Maybe she's a spy for the uh, the helicopter awesome van people. Um, Maybe. I don't know. I think we can probably
2: let it go. But if you want to keep speculating, I think that's all right.
1: All right. Well, we'll see what happens. Yes. Yes, we will. Thank all you, right, Nick. Thanks, next- <laughs> Nick. Uh, Next, we have an email from Cindy from Columbus, Ohio. I think the Carol slash Alpha showdown will center around Ezekiel. I have a bad feeling about this fair, and I think we will lose him. That would break my heart because I love the character. I think we're going to lose lots of people at the fair. I have nothing but dread about it. So
2: the fair, Jason, I think Uh we're going to see this fair relatively soon. Yep. But can The Walking Dead just do trade fair amongst communities and everything goes fine and great I'm not sure they can
1: well let's hope it's not the uh, uh, the negotiations uh, because of a trade federation that we had in episode one the beginning of episode one of the Star Wars bullshit trilogy Mm -hmm. Uh, because that whole first you know, sixty minutes of that whole movie was them negotiating in on behalf of the uh, of the trade federation, and that was boring as hell. So, hopefully, this fair is not just a oh, we're talking about a goddamn fair for an hour and a half, and then they all go to the fair, and there's dancing, and there's movies, and there's singing, and there's uh, uh, you know what's his name starts a jug band, and they have a grand <laughs> old time, and they start dancing and drinking, and wait, everybody gets hammered, and then leaves.
2: Are you sure you don't want that? Because I—that sounds great. I kind of, no, I want of to go that. to
1: that. Oh. I don't want to watch it on TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would like to go there. I, this is why I want to go to a, a pipe band competition because they have a beer tent and you can get some scotch pies and you can get uh, all there's all kinds of wonderful things you can see and do and listen to uh, at the at the Highland Games. But I don't want to watch one on TV. I don't want to watch a bunch of characters going, "Hey, let's walk down this uh, these stalls and look at various art exhibits from the local artists." I mean, that kind of thing is boring to me anyway, and I don't want to watch it on TV. So, hopefully, I think that Cindy is probably right. Something bad is going to happen at the fair. Let's all go to the fair. The fair is going to be a shit show, and people are going to die.
2: That's not the very fun fair, and I don't know if I want to watch that fair. I might prefer to watch a nice, fun, pleasant time at the fair for everyone. Really? I mean, it, it, the fair doesn't have to be the whole episode. And also, I just don't want Ezekiel to die. He's awesome. And, and it would just be so sad if he was killed off.
1: Um, well, wh- how else do you think that uh, Carol's going to get involved? Like, like Cindy says, if Ezekiel dies and Carol's going to go on a rampage and, and Carol's going to I know, fucking being in her Venezuelan ninja self.
2: I know, I know. She has to get involved somehow. Now Henry's rescued and the whispers are going to show up at the fair and do something horrible. I don't know. I I just want something good to happen once in a while.
1: Yeah. They better build a dunk tank. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
2: yeah, they can I mean they can, you could put zombies in a dunk tank, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Shooting gallery with like zombie heads. Great <laughs> Shoot idea. Two zombie heads get a
2: prize. There's all kinds of good zombie uh. ideas for a fair, so. All right, couple more here. We're going to end with two calls. The first one comes from Ken.
5: Hello, Chris and Jason. This is Ken from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, long-time listener of you all. I just have a couple of observations. Uh, and looking at The Walking Dead and the the... the The miles or the distance between the communities and safety concerns and bridges being out. I don't know why they don't employ uh, the art of sending messages by a pigeon or raven or whatever uh, bird to send messages. Um, Lord knows that they got enough time on their hands to learn the craft. Uh, you think Eugene would come up with this. Since is so smart, but it's just always uh, perplexed me why they don't utilize that message of communication rather than resorting to radio towers. But keep on doing what y'all are doing, and um, thank you. Bye.
2: Okay, thanks, Ken. Jason, I have a dumb question for you.
1: Sure, I have a dumb answer. This is great. Okay,
2: perfect. Ken is proposing the idea that the communities should use birds to send messages back and forth. Now, this is not a new idea. We've seen this, you know, lots of times before. But I have never known whether or not the idea of strapping messages to birds and letting them go and hoping they get to the right place to deliver that message to the right person is a real thing or not.
1: It is. World War 1 they used homing pigeons to send messages. There's actually a homing pigeon that was uh shot multiple times and given a medal. Real story.
4: How the
1: f do you get a pigeon, the dumbest dumb. of all the birds, homing to- pigeon, different than regular stupid rat pigeons that live in cities. Different.
2: Um okay, homing pigeon, the second dumbest of all the birds, which isn't saying much cuz all the birds are pretty dumb. Sorry to any uh, well,
1: bird brain. It's the same.
2: It's, it's bird brains. Yeah, exactly. What do you call someone who studies birds? Like an ornithologist or something? Uh,
1: a bird bird person. Okay, so sorry to
2: any bird people out there, but I think birds are pretty dumb. So how do you get birds to go to the right place?
1: Uh, you train them. You homing pigeons are um, the thing with homing pigeons is they they are. I'm going to tell you a story. So homing pigeons are trained to go to one place. That's why they're homing pigeons. When you want to send a message to somebody, what you do is you, uh, you pack your bags and you leave that place and you put a pigeon in a cage and you strap it to your back and you walk away with it. And then when you want to send a message back to that place, you tie the message to their foot and then you let it go and it goes back to that place. They don't come back to you later. Like you can't train a homing pigeon to go to two different places. You train a homing pigeon to go home. So homing pigeons might have, they're good for sending messages back to HQ when you're, you're uh, in an expeditionary force and you're going out someplace to do something and you want to send that message back. Getting a message to those people out in the field, much more difficult, right? right. So sending messages back and forth are, um, it's not easy to do with homing pigeons. And I'm pretty sure homing pigeons are extinct, first of all. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure of that. So a homing Ravens pigeon is an actual, uh, um, species of bird. It's a thing of a bird. It's a type of, it's a type of pigeon. I don't know if they're extinct <laughs> or not, but I'm pretty sure that, uh, there's not a whole lot of them anyway. Okay. Um, cause they kept using them for these purposes and, uh, especially in war when you're sending messages back to HQ, the enemy seeing any bird would shoot it. Okay, so birds can deliver messages
2: one way. I do sort of find that believable. Um, You can train an animal to go to a place. That makes sense to me. Um, I think that would be difficult and probably uh, uh, take a lot of time, but I guess it's possible. So you can take a bird somewhere.
1: What do you mean it wouldn't? Let me tell you a story about Uti. (laughs) So (laughs) okay, I lived in the Sioux and... uh, we lived on, uh, we rented a house. My family rented a house that was on this farm. It was farmland that was be, that was owned by somebody else and worked by somebody else. We rented the farmhouse, uh, which they no longer lived in and they rented out. So we lived there. And then after a storm, one big storm one day, we lived in the, just on the outskirts of Sault Ste. Marie. Um, and after a storm one day, this pigeon showed up on our stoop and refused to leave. It just stayed there. We fed it you know, bird food and such. And this is, it turned out that the, that this bird decided that it wanted to live on our doorstep and it did. We fed it every day. We gave it, uh, you know, bird seed. We put one of those bird bells out and it would eat that. It would go off and eat whatever, but it always lived there. It was just annoying all the time because it would always be pecking at the door looking for food. Right. And it just, we called him Uti, uh, which is a Finnish name. That we got from the paper. Okay. because uh, So we called him Uti. We got sick of Uti after a while. We left him, we let him in the house a couple of times, me and my brother, just for fun to see how far we'd get him into the house. He came into the kitchen and then we had to get him out of the house. Anyway, Uti <laughs> was always around. He was pretty much a tame bird, just this dumb pigeon living by itself uh, on in our porch or on our front doorstep. We decided we didn't want Uti anymore. So what we did was we caught him because he was a dumb pigeon and it was easy to get caught. It's like, come here, Uti, and here's a stupid bird seed. And then we put it in a box and we drove it down to the shoreline of Sault Ste. Marie, which is probably 15, 20, 25 kilometers away from the house. We just drove it all the way down to Bellevue Park, which is one of the parks, a big park in the Sioux, all the way down to the waterfront. And we opened up the box. And Uti flew out of the box and started flying in a circle and just going up and up and up and up and up in this circle. And then we went home. Mm-hmm. And when we got home, Uti was on our fucking doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> of course he because was. Because he didn't have, like we kept him, it was a cardboard box. He had no idea where he was. And what he did was he just circled up in the air until he could spot the fucking house. And then he flew to the house and he was there when we got home. So right. this is what makes me believe in homing pigeons, because if Uti can go home, we had to move. We moved. We didn't move because of Uti, but we moved, and he didn't follow us. He stayed with and the he, house. He stayed with the house. No emotional attachment to you. It was all the house. <laughs> it, was, it was the house and the food. I don't know why he showed up there, but we started feeding it and decided, yep, I live here now. Okay. Well, fair enough. I, I'm. You have convinced
2: me of, of homing pigeons and that you could take a bird somewhere and it would fly back to where you took it from, so you could- deliver a message one way.
1: It depends on distance. Like he spotted well, yeah. the, the house visually because we lived on the outskirts and the, uh, uh, the Sioux is built on uh, a series of ridges, right? There's just, there's this escarpment in the Sioux all along the length of it, which is the old river, you know, millions of years ago. But we lived up on a hill on the outskirts of the Sioux and Bellevue park was downtown down the, by the water. So when he started circling up, the higher he got, the better he could see our house on the crest of a hill. Mm-hmm. So he, it's because he spotted it. It's not because he, uh, birds also have uh, a sense of magnetic fields. They mm-hmm. can follow, uh, the magnetic, uh, pull of the earth. So they yep. know how to go south in the winter and north in the summer. Yeah. So they do that too. They could do that, but, uh. I'm not sure how far a regular pigeon would be able to figure that shit out, but a homing pigeon would, and you can train it to do that. Okay, well,
2: uh, all I was saying, yeah, is that I'm sort of on board with that now. What I learned from movies and TV shows is you can freaking release a bird anywhere, and it'll go to where you think or where you want your message delivered, and it seems like you can just let them go back and forth. Uh, That sounds like it's not really a thing, but that's... You know, neither here nor there. So anyways, um, to get back to Ken's call, uh, just that why don't they use birds to transmit messages instead of radio towers? Um, Number one, I mean, they have radio towers and if they're functional, why not use them? It seems easier than birds to me. Uh, And two, if you sort of have to drive the birds back and forth anyways, well, you're driving back and forth anyways.
1: Yeah. So every time you'd have to have a, send a delegation to, to whatever town owns the birds and then take a bunch of birds with you mm-hmm. and hope they don't acclimate to the new home before you need to send a new friggin' message.
2: Right. So you have to, I guess it might cut down the number
1: of trips you have to make, but. And there's only so much you could write on a little note strapped to a bird's leg. Birds are very light. Yeah. It's not like they can carry a whole coconut all the way over to wherever. Right. And we learned that from Monty Python.
2: Yeah. The, uh, African or the East Asian swallow or, or European swallow. I forget now. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: and, uh, sending a raven, that's uh-huh. fictional. Like you can't send ravens someplace, but in, uh. Except Game in Thrones you can. Right. Yeah. And in uh, Harry Potter, they send owls. Well, that owls, I can believe. Either. Owls are smart. Yeah. But I don't know if they're smart enough to send messages. No, of find course you not. <laughs> wherever you are. No.
2: Yeah. So. I don't know. I didn't think that the discussion of bird messages would would go on so long, but...
1: uh, Well, here's a question. It's it's kind of fascinating, actually. Yeah, I have a question. Okay. Uh, Satellite phones still exist, right? I assume satellites still exist, and that you could find a couple of satellite phones and make a goddamn phone call.
2: I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder how long satellites... You know, this is the second time they've come up in this podcast, but I wonder how long satellites would just continue to... Circle the earth and actual actually function um without well, any human
1: interaction. Probably a long time. I would I think mean, so. More than ten years, I would think. I mean if they started if they had to send up replacement satellites every six months, uh they'd probably figure out a way not to do that pretty damn quick. Right. It's not cheap sending a satellite up into orbit. Uh so I would assume more than ten years. So I'm pretty sure. That in this universe right now, satellite phones would still be able to make phone calls to other satellite phones. Right. Well, don't
2: point that out to anyone because there's there's a writer listening right now going, oh my God, I can't believe we haven't addressed this idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, or a radio repeater. I mean, that's what they were trying to do, right? They were trying to put up a, a radio repeating signal. I and mean, they can definitely put those up. Uh, they're they, they exist right now. Uh, In Canada, we have a system of microwave towers entirely going across the country, and they're still used as a backup communication system. They built them in uh, post-World War II. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're every 50 kilometers apart all the way across the goddamn country. That's a lot. It is a lot. There's a couple in the Sioux that uh, are 50 kilometers apart, and they can all see each other. So this is exactly the right thing to do, radio repeaters.
2: Okay, well...
1: Not birds. <laughs> it all comes down
2: to birds. Cool idea,
1: but not practical. Yeah. I mean, you might be able to train a dog to run back and forth. Like, get a dog, train it to, all it does is run back and forth between the two communities. And you could put a friggin', uh saddlebags on a dog. Sure. Put all kinds of stuff in there. <laughs> now that makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Message by dog. Yeah. All right. All right. So lastly, this is my favorite. We have a call from Paul, y'all.
2: Hi, Chris and Jason. Uh, I just wanted to mention that um, during the episode, right after Jerry says it's movie time for the first time, they do like a wide shot of the front of the theater. Now, they do a better shot of the marquee on the left where it most probably says Silent Army. But if you look during the wide shot on the right, there's a different marquee. It's about 12 and a half minutes into the episode. Uh... And it's definitely Night of the Living Dead. There's a couple mis- letters missing, but it says N-I, and then it's missing the G-H-T,
1: and then the-T-H-E, and it's missing the L, and it says I-V-I, missing the N-G, and There's another space, and it's missing the D,
2: and there's an E-A-D. It couldn't be any other movie than that. Thank you, Paul. So, Night of the Living Dead on the other side of the marquee.
1: There you go. Perfect.
2: Yeah, it's cool. I went and checked it. Indeed, it's there. It's harder to see for sure, but uh, oh, it's I didn't there. I did see
1: that. That's great. Yeah,
2: that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So Thanks,
1: Paul. Yeah.
2: Of course, that's about the last episode, not the most recent one, but uh, I hadn't heard of that before now, so I wanted to throw it in. All right. Um, that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I didn't think the conversation about bird messaging would go on so long, but I'm glad
1: it did because oh. I feel like
2: I learned something.
1: I've never told uh, anybody, I've never mentioned on the podcast about Uti before. I've never told you about Uti, right?
2: You know, it sounds kind of familiar, but I I couldn't say if you've mentioned it on the podcast or just in real life or not. I don't know. Yeah, okay. It's a good story though. It's a good story. I like I like how you had a pet <laughs> bird unintentionally for a while and then one day decided, <laughs> "We don't want you anymore. So we're going to drive you down to the lake and shit you know. <laughs> all over the place." <laughs>
1: yeah. We had to feed it all the time. It wouldn't leave. That's the problem with birds and babies. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think I'd leave a baby on the seaside. No, no. And then find it at home later. That'd be creepy as hell. No, oh, and probably not. Yeah, that'd be really weird. The cops would have brought it back to homes, but the problem is there. Right. We brought your baby home. You must have left it accidentally next to the river. Uh, please, your baby. Please come you're with us. Under, you're under arrest. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, well, on that pleasant note uh thanks for tuning in everyone if you'd like to get in touch visit our website talking click on send voicemail at the top to send us a message and uh find us on twitter at talking dead or on facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead you can also send email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com so we'll be back next week when we talk about the next episode of the walking dead if you'd like to do a title read go figure out what the title is because i <laughs> always forget to write it down Friggin' idiot yeah. i am and record it and send it into to us that would be wonderful and i'll play those when we do the recap and if possible i think we'll do a quick after hours on that show about captain marvel yeah yeah it's gonna be good and if if not if i don't get a chance to see it at the very least jason you can tell us what you thought
1: Yeah, we'll do a scene-on-scene kind of thing. I'll tell you all about it and spoil the shit out of it so that uh, you have to go see it spoiled. Oh, that's going to suck so hard, but I'll take one for the team. (laughs) All right. Okay. Because you missed it, you'll have to watch it five times before the next podcast. Ooh,
2: I feel like that's a better deal though, than the movie you had to watch five times.
1: I don't know. That thing's written into my DNA now. The accidental husband, I know yeah. all about it. I'm going to remember it forever.
2: Yeah. That's why I'm saying, I feel like watching Captain Marvel five times is a better deal unless I have to pay for it five times. Yeah. <laughs> Movies are expensive. They are. Uh, and I also don't know, maybe it's garbage. Who knows? I haven't seen it yet. Mm, we'll find out. That's true. Okay that's that's it we're done everyone uh we'll be back next tuesday night with our next episode until then my name is chris my name is jason thanks for listening
0: toodles